Who dat, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Who Dat Dish podcast. It has been a minute since I've talked to you guys on here, and I apologize for the absence. It's been a crazy busy past couple of weeks, but I am back and it feels great, even though on today's episode we will be talking about a loss, and of course that's very unfortunate. doesn't happen very often on this podcast. In fact, uh, the last loss we talked about, of course, was all the way back in week two when the Saints uh, fell to the Los Angeles Rams. Um, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about today after that abysmal performance on Sunday in New Orleans. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Dayton Brown. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I'm going solo today and tomorrow for the preview episode, uh, but Tyler will be back very soon. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter to stay up to date and interact with us. We, we, we love that. Uh, myself at Dayton underscore Brown underscore Tyler is at Raymond Tyler M. Uh, and you can also follow our podcast page on Twitter at the WDD podcast to stay up to date with, uh, the new episodes, the schedules, the previews, the guests, everything, uh, in between, uh, follow us there. Um, and most of the time we follow back as well. Uh, so there you go. You get a little, little extra, extra something for following us. Um, and, and as frustrating as this will be to, uh, dissect, uh, it makes for a lot more content when, when your team loses. Uh, a lot of problems are put out into the open, uh, especially when a couple of injuries happen as well. Now you start to look at the depth aspect of this team, and the Saints team is far from the perfect state that we thought they were in after this you know, incredible six-game win streak we just saw this team go on. Five of them with our backup quarterback at the helm, Teddy Bridgewater. Um, and then to, to lose to the 1-7 and seven Falcons, which, by the way, this was the first time in the history, or sorry, excuse me, this is the first time since 1986 that a 1-7 or worse team went on the road and defeated a 7-1 and one or better team um, at, at this point in the season. Uh, and, and, and the Saints are the first team in, in 33 years to, to suffer that sort of defeat, and it is very unfortunate. And not only that, they were, you know, at the top of the division looking down, especially at the Falcons, and, and, and now, you know, the Saints, who, who could have clinched the division week 12 with the victory over the Panthers, uh, now have to work even harder to, to even make um, uh, the playoffs now uh, because the, the Packers are catching up, the Seahawks are continuing to catch up and do work. Um, the steel, or excuse me, the uh, Rams schedule is going to get easier. The Seahawks continue to roll. The 49ers only have one loss on the season. The Panthers aren't going anywhere. Uh, Cowboys and Eagles are competing there in the NFC East. So um, this was a wake-up call that if the Saints, you know, don't fix a couple of things and, and they suffer a couple more surprising losses like this down the road, uh, it's going to be you know much tougher for them to make the playoffs, let alone win the division than we originally thought. Um, and, and, uh, you know, of course all those questions have now arisen after, and, and again, it is just one loss, but the one loss against a, one of the worst teams in the NFL, the Falcons, uh, granted they've had close losses, uh, and, and, you know, including a couple by, you know, game winning field goals or missed field goals. Uh, but that doesn't excuse, you know, the, the Falcons were one and seven, one and four on the road. Uh, or, or excuse me, sorry, 0-4 on the road coming into this game. They, they got their first road win, um, and the Saints suffered their first home loss, and it doesn't make sense when you look at it on paper, but when you watch the actual game, it makes a ton of sense, and I'm actually surprised it was really only a 17-point defeat 
Uh, it, it could have been much worse. Um, and it also could have been much closer for the Saints if, if they were able to make a couple of plays um, and get some touchdowns. But uh, we will dive into that in just a second. Um, but uh, I just obviously want to go over the score and some of the stats. Um, so the Falcons ended up winning 26-9. to They are now 2-7. and The Saints are now 7-2. and um, The first half was actually obviously surprising that the Saints didn't come out and, and start dominating right away. Um, but now that the game's over, the first half actually was not that terrible for the Saints. They were trailing 13-6 to at halftime. It was a one-possession game. They had a, a pretty nice drive to cap off uh, the first half that got them an extra field goal to get back into a one-possession game with the Falcons. So coming back in from um, halftime, and then also uh, the first points of the third quarter, really the only points of the third quarter, uh, were scored by the Saints, and it was it was um, thirteen to nine going into the fourth quarter. And after that, I actually after the six six oh eight mark of the third quarter, the Saints did not score a single point, and the Falcons ended up scoring thirteen points in the fourth quarter to to win by seventeen points. Um, and it was pretty sad to see the Saints team uh, play this way because this is not the team that 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 we are used to. Um, not this season. Not not really in the past few years of this team, ever since they got out of that 7-9 funk, we have not seen this team fall flat uh, in this way against such, you know, lesser competition. Uh, even, you know, uh, last year, 2018, to open up the season against the Buccaneers, that was a pretty shocking loss, but again, a division team, and that was a high-scoring fest. I believe the, the final score was 48-40. to Saints didn't even cross the end zone. I you know, actually, I think they did cross the end zone at the very end of the game. Ref said that Michael Thomas was down short of the goal line. I think that that should have counted as a touchdown, uh, but that, that also could just be my my homer speaking out. Uh, but they, they they really didn't they didn't cross the goal line in, in the game at all. Uh, three field goals is all they got against uh, one of the worst defenses in the league, one of the worst secondaries in the league. Made them look like an elite secondary, um, and I'll get to those keys in a minute, but um when you look at the passing Drew Brees actually had a pretty good game um 32 of 45 287 yards uh, it's an average of 6.4 yards per completion um no touchdowns no interceptions he was sacked six times uh, his QBR was 24.4 which again average is 50 um and then they, they of course will account in sacks they'll count in you know the 13 incompletions he had on such high volume passing and then he'll the, the, you know they also account for decision making in that you know could Drew Brees have you know made some completions um in spots instead of taking a sack yes especially when you watch the uh rewatch the film and, and whatnot but a lot of that wasn't his fault we'll get into that in a minute but um his his uh passer rating was 87.9 which is uh, pretty pretty mediocre uh Taysom Hill was one of one for 17 yards fantastic beautiful touch pass to Michael Thomas who had an even better catch on the sideline in the red zone um and that was early on in the game but that was his only pass attempt but uh Taysom Hill did run the ball once for 11 yards for rushing for the Saints this is where people are extremely confused now I mentioned Taysom Hill had one rush Ted Ginn Jr. also had one rush for for five yards combined those two had half of the rushing attempts that Alvin Kamara did the entire game. Taysom Hill and Ted Ginn Jr. combined had half of the rushing attempts that Alvin Kamara had on Sunday. The Whether that be Alvin Kamara had, had 30 carries and combined Taysom Hill and Ted Ginn Jr. had 15, 
that is not not so much concerning, but that is confusing and out of this world. When it is combined, they have two carries and Alvin Kamara has four. That is bewildering and that is very concerning. Alvin Kamara carried the ball four times. Now, I understand he is coming off an ankle injury, but he, uh, you know, missed some time. He missed uh, the game against Chicago and then he had the bye week. So that's two whole weeks. And if he's not 100%, you know how well Latavius Murray has played. Start him. Now, I know I know Murray did not have a great game against Atlanta. I mean, Kamara didn't do two fantastic. Uh, four carries for 24 yards, average of six. That was great. But, I mean, two, I think I think he had two carries of, of eight or nine yards each. And then, and then the others, you know, just kind of went for uh, three or four yards. But if Alvin Kamara is not 100%, have Latavius Murray play. And have the game plan B, run the ball with Latavius Murray and and open up the pass game for the Saints. Because the Falcons secondary, credit them for not only covering everybody not named Michael Thomas like a blanket, uh, but also credit uh, their secondary for getting those sacks for for their defense. A majority of the sacks by this Atlanta Falcons, those six sacks that they, they only had seven sacks coming into the, uh, excuse me, eight sacks coming into the game. Um, and they had six alone on Sunday. Part of that was the secondary was doing such a good job, uh, and and also partially the Saints receivers just were, were outside of Mike Thomas. Like I said, just were not getting any separation. Uh, some of the play calling was just you know questionable, especially against some of the man to man defense that the the Falcons were were playing. But it made Drew Brees uncomfortable in the pocket, makes him scramble a little bit, and when he starts to run around, um, uh, uh, Drew Brees uh, can turn into panic mode when that happens consistently in a game, and, and we saw just that. Most of the sacks uh, came in the second half, and I, I think there were three alone in the fourth quarter, um, and that absolutely killed the Saints, uh, any sort of comeback hopes that they had. Um, and, and so, you know, when when Alvin Kamara, if he's not 100% healthy, have Latavius Murray start. Sit Kamara, we totally understand, but if Kamara is healthy enough to start this game, you run, you get him the ball more than four times. Now, Kamara also had eight catches, which is fantastic. So that shows that he's, you know, at least, at least 80% healthy. Uh, you know, if, if he's, he was targeted 10 times, he had eight catches. Um, so you know, a total of 12, 12 touches, most of them being um, pass catching, which is usually the, the case for Kamara. He usually does have more catches than, than rushes, and we've seen that happen often this season. But rarely does he have less than 10 carries in a game. Um, we, we, we saw him with 16 rushes uh, two weeks in a row earlier this season. Um, if, if he's not breaking double-digit rushing uh, or double-digit carries in a game, what are we doing as an offense for the Saints? How is that helping out Drew Brees at all? Um, and we saw that it, it really didn't help him help him out at all um, because this game was lost in the trenches by the Saints. Um, for receiving, Michael Thomas led the day. Fantastic performance. 13 catches, 152 yards, almost average 12 yards per reception. No touchdowns, but like I said, he came very close at the end there of, of getting a touchdown. He had a long reception of 18, um, and, and that was off of 14 targets. Only one incompletion uh, was thrown his way. Uh, Jared Cook had six catches for 74 yards. That averages over 12 yards per reception. He was targeted 10 times. Uh, there were two incompletions towards the end of the game towards Cook that he was covered very well on. Brees tried to hit him to no avail. Um, and, you know, those two catches could have been somewhat of a difference for the, for the team later on. But, but uh, the Falcons kind of figured out Jared Cook um, and, and the Rots, who was kind of running for the Saints, and they were able to control him. Alvin Kamara had eight catches for only 50 yards. That's an average of 6.3 yards per reception. 
Um, and I believe his long reception of 14 um, was towards the end of the first half just to get the Saints in uh, field goal position when the field was kind of empty. Um, Traquan Smith had a fantastic catch. He was targeted twice and only caught one of them, but it was a fantastic uh, sandwich catch is what I like to call you. He, he, he was essentially being sandwiched by two Atlanta defenders. His helmet flies off from the catch. He's able to hang on and you know stay on his feet for a little bit. He's finally dragged down, and uh, it was a very important. Um, I, I believe that was a fourth down conversion um, that that the Saints had um, that they were able to get. No, it, it was just a third down. It was third down conversion that the Saints were able to able to get on that. It was like a third and three, um, and then. That was it besides, uh, well, I guess uh, Zach Lyon and Latavius Murray each had two catches, but only for a combined 12 yards, and then Taysom Hill had one catch for three yards. Ted Ginn Jr. was targeted three times, but did not haul in any catches. He had two drops there on the day. Defensively, uh, Demario Davis led the way. He also led the way in PFF grade, and I'll get to that in a minute. He had 11 total tackles, seven of them solo, one sack, the only sack on the day for the Saints. Uh, three tackles for loss, one pass defended, and one quarterback hit. Kiko Alonso, AJ Klein, Von Bell, and Marcus Williams each had seven total sa- seven total tackles each and five solo tackles. Um, AJ Klein had a tackle for loss. Kiko Alonso had a quarterback hit, and Marcus Williams had four passes defended, uh, plus, of course, an interception. Uh, you know, he, making a perfect safety play there. Uh, kind of again, that was kind of towards the end of the game. Um, Eli Apple and PJ Williams each had five tackles apiece, and Williams also had a pass defended. David Onyemata had four tackles with two quarterback hits. Shai Tuttle had three tackles. Cameron Jordan, JT Gray, Marshawn Lattimore, and Marcus Davenport uh, each had two tackles apiece. Lattimore had a pass defend, and Cameron Jordan had a quarterback hit. And, of course, Marshawn Lattimore had to leave the game early. He now has a hamstring strain, uh, which is very, very uh, concerning for a player at his position because cornerbacks really, really need their hamstrings, calves, hips, Pretty much all of their uh, extremities and the muscles and uh, the joints all in their legs need to be in, in you know prime condition, especially with the competition in this NFL. Uh, and if Marshawn Lattimore is not 100%, the Saints should not play him. So he will probably miss a few weeks. Right now he's considered a week-to-week, which means he's definitely going to miss next week uh, against Tampa Bay. I'd be surprised if he's back uh, after that against Carolina. I don't see that happening. He could make his return against Atlanta. Um, but I, I, I would even be okay, or not okay, I should say, but I, I would be uh, more inclined to see him sit out until we play San Francisco just to make sure he is healthy. But depends on the, you know, se- severity of the injury. Um, but, you know, looking at Cameron Jordan was very quiet, as was, uh, um, you don't even see him show up on, oh no, sorry, Marcus Davenport, uh, two tackles, and that's all Davenport did most of the day. No, those are supposed to be the anchors of this D-line. Um, and, and Sheldon Rankins as well, um, should Sheldon Rankins, David Onyemata, they are the, um, anchors for that D line for the run game, Jordan and, and, um, Davenport for the pass rush and support. And all of those guys were, were so quiet on Sunday. Um, and, and we can't have that as a defense. Um, Deontay Harris deserves a tip of the cap. He had, he had a great game. He had four kick returns for a total of 190 yards, including a 46-yard uh, return that set the Saints up very, very nicely. Uh, and then he had one punt return for 19 yards, which also set them up in good field position. Will Lutz was 3 of 3 
um, on field goals, and uh, his long was 47. And then Thomas Morissette had an average punt of 48, including two of his four punts inside of the 20, and a long of 51. So special teams, uh, special teams, and Michael Thomas, MVPs of the game, no doubt about it. Um, I guess special teams besides uh, JT Gray roughing the kicker. Um, on a punt that gave the Falcons the ball, and that was that was a really important play too because that killed any momentum the Saints had because that was also a, a they were in comeback mode uh, for that, and then the um, Falcons end up getting three more points off of that, uh, even though the Saints should have had the ball. Um, but if, if, I'll just go into the drives real quick. Uh, it goes. <laughs> Field goal for the uh, Falcons with 9.27 left in the first quarter. Field goal by the Saints with 4.09 left in the um, first quarter. Both of those drives were 10 plays, and uh, the Saints actually ended up going more yards um, for that. And actually, if we get into team stats real quick, um, the killers for the Saints were not only penalties, um, first downs, as well as, of course, the sacks, as I mentioned earlier. But for penalties, the Saints had tw- they, they, they average a little over six penalties per game, which is uh, sixth best in the NFL. They had 12 penalties for 90 yards. Six of those penalties got the Falcons' first downs. The Saints only had one first down from penalties, and, 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 and as a whole, the Falcons had seven penalties in the game for 48 yards. Uh, the Falcons had a turnover. The Saints did not. Uh, the Falcons also led time and possession by over seven minutes. Those are things the Saints usually control in games. Uh, they, they, you know, uh, if, if they're not winning the turnover battle, they're definitely more disciplined and have less penalties than the other team. Uh, and they definitely control time of possession, especially with Drew Brees at center. None of those things happened. Um, the undiscipline of this team after a bye week is is pretty surprising and ludicrous. Now, every team especially the Saints, have this type of game every season. It's just going to happen. Mental exhaustion happens, um, and and that, of course, leads to some physical uh, miscues on the field. But most of what's happened with the Saints were all mental. You know, uh, a lot of the face guarding or the um, hands to the face, uh, that's a lot of just nonchalant, not really paying attention to your technique, to your discipline. Um, And it led to so many first downs for, for these Falcons that, of course, they were able to march down the field so many times. They had 24 first downs compared to the Saints' 18. The Saints had 13 passing first downs. Falcons had nine. The Falcons had nine rushing first downs. The Saints had four. If the Saints were to rush the ball, let's say, eight more times that whole game, that that that, that maybe is four or five more first. I mean, the, the, the team ran the ball 11 times the whole game. Four of those uh, were for first down. Just just double that number, and and you you probably double your your rushing first downs, and that leads to probably at least six or seven more points for for the team, and and things can change. Run the ball more, Saints. You have to do that. Um, third down efficiency: the Falcons were six of fifteen, Saints were three of twelve. Fourth down efficiency: Falcons one of one, Saints zero of three. That that also tells you right there that the Saints were out coached heavily. Uh, because the play calling on offense for the Falcons was just so superior to the Saints. And you look at it, Dan Quinn has his job on the line. Rightfully so. His team was 1-7 coming in here. They have a great team on paper. Uh, they trade their number two receiver. It seems like this season is just going to be going downhill. A couple of bad losses in a row. Um, they actually have, they had six losses coming in a row coming into this game. Um, and then on top of that, last season, the Falcons were extremely disappointing as well. 
Dan Quinn play or Dan Quinn coached like it was his last game for the Falcons and he wanted to win, but he also coached like the 13 year veteran on the same team uh, whose job is completely safe. And Sean Payton coached like a guy who is on the hot seat for a reason. Um, and, and Pete Carmichael as well, just bad play calling throughout the whole game. Uh, and, 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 and all of that combined really led to the Saints demise because they only ran seven less plays than the Falcons. They really only had one less drive, but you lose by 17 points. That shows you that the Falcons just did a much better job when they had the ball than the Saints did, and it's not even close. Um, The Saints actually had more drives than the Falcons. They had 10 drives to 9. The Falcons were just more efficient with the ball. Uh, Saints had more yards per play. Of course, they blew them out of the water with with passing yards, but the, the Falcons were able to control the clock with rushing. Uh, 13 incompletions by Drew Brees, that stops the clock a lot. When you only rush the ball 11 times, that also stops the clock a whole lot. Um, and and that's why the Saints had 26-minute time of possession. The Falcons had almost 34. Um, it's, it's very frustrating. Now, it's not as frustrating as hearing people today and, and really throughout this week talk about the Saints needing to bench Drew Brees in favor of Teddy Bridgewater uh, and, and this mainly goes out to, you know, Jason Whitlock and a lot of Saints fans who are now calling upon, you know, the Saints to do something with Breeze that, that will let Bridgewater, you know, start. Whether that be, you know, just, just have Breeze sit out part of games or, or completely bench him uh, as a whole. That's not smart. Drew Breeze actually played very—he played pretty well, I should say. Like I said, he was 32-45-287 yards. Would have loved a touchdown in there. But I would have also loved to see the Saints rush the ball more. If Drew Brees, again, if Drew Brees passes the ball 10 or 11 less times, I think the Saints actually win this game. They might only win it by a field goal, but a win's a win, uh, even against a 1-7 a team. But the fact that he had to throw the ball 45 times shows that, of course, the Saints were trailing for a lot of this game, and they got behind. Uh, but there's no turnovers in this game by either team. Uh, or excuse me, there's no turnovers by the game by either. Uh, Drew Brees doesn't doesn't throw a pick. The the running core doesn't suffer a fumble, uh, and and luckily they didn't in the eleven rushing attempts they had. That would have been a, a major problem. But uh, I, I just don't understand the disparity between the rushing attack the Saints had and the passing attack they had when the winning formula with Bridgewater there was was rushing the ball. Now if the Saints had done the same thing on Sunday. We wouldn't have talking points about possibly benching Drew Brees, which is totally ludicrous uh, because Brees is still so elite and so efficient at his age. Uh, Jason Whitlock tried to say he looked like he was 40 on Sunday. He did not. That offensive line looked like they were filled with a bunch of 40-year-olds, um, and especially on that left side. Now, Ryan Remchick actually was the highest-graded player on offense in this entire game. He did not give up one quarterback pressure all week. Um, so that left side and the interior, especially with Andres Pete, and again, he broke his arm. Um, Will Clapp has to go in. Will Clapp does not have a great game, but I think with a week of prep under his belt, I'll get into that more in tomorrow's episode. I think it'll be better, but Andres Pete really let the team down. Uh, Eric McCoy had a very shaky performance. Uh, Larry Warford, you know, you expect to see a little better out of him, but he was actually able to secure a lot of that right side with Ryan Ramchek. but Drew Brees had to run around so much. Um, and the offensive line was not able to sustain blocks long enough for a majority of this game. Um, and the Saints really suffered from that because Drew Brees panicked in the pocket and he got taken down a lot of the time. And, then, and the Falcons also, 
I mean, they got a, they got a sack when they were sending six guys, including a corner blitz. They also got a sack when they only sent three guys. Um, so there were problems all over the board for the Saints, but I, a majority of it did not have anything to do with Drew Brees' performance. Granted, you want you you want a couple more completions by Brees. Um, uh, you you want a touchdown out of him. Um, and if he does get one more completion, two more completions, he's over 300 yards. If he does get a touchdown, I mean that that is a hold on. Let me let, let me do the persistence. They don't have the percentage right here. He was that was 71 percent completion percentage on Sunday. If he has two more completions, that goes up to close to you know 73 74 percent, um, including over 300 yards and a touchdown. That's one or two completions away for Breeze and uh, from us saying, oh, yeah, Breeze is still dominating to now people are saying, oh, Drew Breeze, bench him for Teddy Bridgewater. He looks like a 40-year-old quarterback. Are you kidding me? That is that is absolutely ridiculous and ludicrous uh, to even think that, let alone say it out loud and let it come out of your mouth for other people to hear. Drew Breeze is going to be fine. Drew Breeze is actually going to most likely tear up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense uh, next week. I think their secondary is going to look like a joke like they did uh, the first time the Saints played, especially after the whole cornerback shuffle they've had. Uh, but that is as long as his offensive line is able to play the elite way that they have all season. If that happens, forget about it. Honestly, after this this game on Sunday, I'll talk about it more again in tomorrow's episode. Uh, I think the Saints have a good chance of blowing out the Buccaneers and I think they have a really good chance of, of getting more receivers involved than, than Michael Thomas. I think Ted Ginn Jr. Could, has, he will at least have the opportunities to make a lot of big plays as long as he can hold on to the catches. Trick on Smith will have opportunities. It sounds like Keith Kirkwood is, is, is fairly healthy. Hopefully he can play Sunday. He could have some opportunities. Jared Cook will have a lot of opportunities. Alvin Kamara out of the backfield will as well. Um, watch out for the Saints on, on Sunday to just blow the top off of uh, this Buccaneers defense. Um. Uh. Yeah, the Saints just lost the game in the trenches, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, too. Uh, I already mentioned Jordan and Davenport. Jordan got dominated by Caleb McGarry, who is a, a rookie right tackle. Um, I mean, he again, he got a couple of pressures on Matt Ryan, but not, not nearly enough to make any sort of difference there on defense. Same with Davenport. He was almost a ghost the whole game. Uh, Trey Hendrickson actually played in his spot a lot. Um. And and for the secondary, man, especially when Lattimore went out, the team played way too much man-to-man defense. Now, playing man-to-man defense is essentially what you're supposed to do against a veteran quarterback, uh, you know, smart, high football IQ guy like Matt Ryan. Because if you play strictly zone against you know Matt Ryan in this Falcons offense, he's going to pick you apart because he's going to find those open windows. If he doesn't find it in the first quarter, it's going to happen in the second, third, and fourth. Um, they almost a guy of Matt Ryan's stature, um, has seen every single zone, you know, there is to see, and he's been able to di- dissect them all. So you essentially really have to play man to man, but you don't have to do it for the entire game, especially when your number one cornerback goes down. And when PJ Williams and Eli Apple are, are kind of getting manhandled by Julio Jones. Now he really didn't do any work until Marshall Lattimore gets out of the game. He had a, a really, really long 54-yard reception that Apple just got caught up in on a crossing route. Um, and then he had a first down conversion over P.J. Williams, which was good coverage by Williams, but it just he, he's such a physical receiver, big, tall, huge hands, can catch anything that comes his way. You know, of course, if he's going to run a slant on you know P.J. Williams, your third cornerback, he's going he's to win that matchup nine times out of ten. 
Um, so you know that, that that just is was disappointing to watch the Saints. There's too much man to man, and their zone in the red zone was awful. That's how Hooper got that touchdown. Um, it was just la- la- lackadaisical there in the red zone. Uh, that zone defense was. Um, the positive I'll get into real quick are the PFF grades. I, I, I should say the uh, full PF or not the full PFF grades, the top PFF grades. Uh, Ryan Remchek, like I mentioned, uh, and this is all off of uh, PFF underscore Saints on Twitter. Um, he was the top player on offense in Week Ten. Was Ryan Ramchick. Uh He had a seventy-five point three overall grade and an eighty-two and a half pass blocking grade, which both led the team. Um, and he went the full game without allowing one pressure. Uh, and Ramchek is actually on pace for a career high season grade. Uh, of course, he's only been in the league since 2017, but he's been dominant uh, ever since. And he has an 85.7 grade this season through Week 10. That is that is pretty incredible. Um, top graded defensive player, there is a tie. Um, both of these guys have an elite grade of 92.1. Uh, the first is Marcus Williams. Uh, he had a 90.4 coverage grade, 84.2 tackling grade, 70.3 run defense grade, one interception, one pass breakup. He did not allow a catch, did not allow a yard on the men he was covering. Five tackles, two defensive stops. Absolute beast. Credit to him. He's been steadily improving this 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 entire season. Um, Demario Davis was the other 92.1 overall grade. Absolutely elite. Um... He had a 79.8 run defense, 81.4 tackling grade, 90.6 pass rush grade, 86.9 coverage grade, 9 tackles, 7 stops. He had 6 pressures, 1 sack, 5 hurries, 4 reception yards allowed, 1 pass breakup. Uh, great game by him on both, again, coverage and run support, which is exactly why the Saints signed him. Uh, he's a leader on the team, and he's able to do just about anything you can ask out of a linebacker, a middle linebacker, outside linebacker, whatever you need out of out of Davis, he, he can do it for you. Um, but honestly, guys, there's not much else to say about this game. We know the areas of improvement. Uh, we know Michael Thomas is the number one guy on this offense uh, for Drew Brees, uh, but we need more than that. We need Ted, Ted Ginn Jr. to step up and, and catch some passes. We need Pete Carmichael to call some better plays uh, to get Jared Cook more separation. Because Jared Cook is another receiver out there for, for the team. He's, he's not a tight end. I mean, I understand he lines up in the tight end spot. Jared Cook isn't a tight end for this team. He is a pass. He's just another pass catcher. He's a big pass catcher for this team. Essentially wide receiver. I need to get involved more. And Pete Carmichael needs to step up the play calling. Uh, the offensive line and cornerback depth will be tested this week and beyond. Will Clap or yeah, Will Clap will be stepping up for Andres Pete at least for the next six weeks. We'll see if uh, uh, Nick Easton has any playing time. The Saints signed him to that big contract uh, earlier this off season, um, and and we'll see if uh, there's any sort of playing time for him. Uh, for cornerbacks, it's of course going to be PJ Williams playing. Uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson will be stepping up there in the slot, um, and then Eli Apple will, is now the team's number one cornerback until Lattimore can get back. Um, and I'm, I'm confident in Apple's ability to lead this team in this cornerback group, but them collectively together as a secondary, it's going to be Von Bell, Marcus Williams being our best secondary members for, for the next few weeks. Um, and we'll see how that goes. Um, I think it'll go, I think it'll go okay. I really like Von Bell's game. Um, of course I do like Marcus Williams as well, but, um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. Um, and then of course, just overall discipline for this team needs to improve. Uh, because you cannot have that many penalties leading to that many first downs and expect to come anywhere near 
winning a game. Uh, so hopefully that is addressed a lot. It just seems like the team got way too content after the bye week, especially going up against lesser competition. They play down to their level, and you can never do that. Uh, and, and the Saints learned that, and hopefully this is a big wake-up call. Um, but this is all the time I have for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, again, you can follow us on Twitter at the WDD Podcast to stay up to date with everything. I will be guest hosting a uh, episode of the Grind Hours podcast, uh, which is usually hosted by my good friend Joe Leo, who's been on this podcast a couple times. It is 100% NFL focused. The episode is that will be dropping sometime tomorrow or Friday. Also, look out for the preview episode for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. The Saints will be playing on Sunday as well. That will drop tomorrow, Thursday. Uh, so again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Tweet at us if you have any questions. And as always, who dat?